to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus. We can look at Ephesus and we can see that the church is in Ephesus is much like the church in modern day America in many aspects. What do we know about the church in Ephesus? Well, we know that Paul is writing them because he's having to remind them who they are in Christ, the benefit that they have in Christ, the blessing that it is to be chosen by God to be his child. And not only be chosen, but to be secured. You remember Jesus said, He who the Father delivers into my hand, I will in no wise cast out. He also said in another place, He who the Father delivers into my hand, no one will be able to what? Snatch them away. You'll never be able to be taken out or robbed from the hand of of Jesus. Of God. You're never going to be taken out of His hand. And that's a blessing. So, sometimes it's a blessing that we overlook. It's an overlook. The blessing that we have just in being able to state, I am a Christian. What does that mean? Well, Paul talks about that in, in chapters 1 through 3. You know that we've talked about a little bit about that before. And Paul is talking about who you are, who I am, who the believers in Ephesus are in Christ and through Christ and by Christ. The blessing of it all. Why, why would Paul do that? I, I believe that, that the reason Paul does this is because the church in Ephesus was suffering from a lot of the things that we suffer from in America today, and that is we can become so caught up in religiosity. We can get caught up in going to church. We can get caught up in being a part of a particular group. There's a lot of churches, even here in our own community, that they are a church by title only. Uh, Much of what they teach is not even truth. Uh, Much of what they teach is, is heresy. And yet, there are a lot of churches, there are some churches, I will say, that have a lot of people at their church. And again, I use church in a very loose manner. Somebody asked John MacArthur one time, John MacArthur, does it bother you that so many churches are out there calling themselves um, uh, Grace uh, Church? Is that what the name of his church is Grace? I think it's Grace what? Grace Church. He said, it doesn't bother me that they take the name Grace. What bothers me is that they take the name Church. (laughs) 
the idea is, is that there's a lot of heresy that's out there. There's just a lot of just watering down the word of God. And I, I, I echo his statement. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of churches out there that have a lot of people in there that are really making a lot of people feel really good. But the problem is, is that there's a lot of these people that are racing towards hell because there has been no genuine repentance. There's been no genuine understanding of who Christ is. been no genuine understanding of who, who, who God is. God isn't necessarily this, not even necessarily, let me rephrase that. God is not this proverbial old man Santa Claus in heaven just waiting there to give you what you want, to make you happy. Taking a line from Paris Reedhead. Doesn't God intend to make you happy? Yes, but as a byproduct and not as the prime product. Does that make sense? God's not here to just make your, make your life happy today. Because there's a lot of people, if you just read through the book of, uh, of uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and you see that there's a lot of people that died, right? A lot of people that died for the Lord. Were they happy? Happiness and joy can sometimes get confused. Jesus says, I have come that you might have joy that you might have my joy and that uh, that my joy might be in you. I have come that my joy might be in you and that your joy would be full. Jesus did not say, I have come that you might have my happiness and that my happiness in you would be full. Happiness and joy are two different things. How many of you understand that? Yeah, four of us. That's good. I'm just joking. I'm just messing. I just know that everybody else... I hate that when somebody asks that from the pulpit. Do you have to raise your hand if you don't? Do you not agree? I mean, it just causes a bunch of problems, but it is what it is. Sorry. That kind of made me crack up a little bit. Here's the thing. The difference between joy and happiness... Happiness is dependent upon your circumstances, isn't it? Joy is dependent upon your position. In Christ. It's, it is a position that you have in Christ, your position that you have in God. It doesn't matter what, the whole world can be falling apart. Your whole world can be falling apart. Are you happy when your world is falling apart? Absolutely not. I know I'm not. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of everything coming crashing down, if I know that I am in Christ and I know that Christ is in me, when I know that I have received Christ in my heart, in my life, I have a joy, an unspeakable joy. Why is it unspeakable? Because try to explain that to somebody who doesn't know who Christ is. They're going to call you a freak. They're going to call you a lunatic. Are you kidding me? You 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 ascribe to this God that allows all this junk to happen to you? Look at your life. Look at how bad it is. And you you love God still? You have this joy for him? Are you nuts? 
Do you believe in the Easter Bunny also? Yeah, I know we've heard it, haven't we? And yet you say, I know how it might look on the outside. And I know that it might look like there's so much turmoil in my life. But I will tell you this one thing. My soul is anchored to the rock of Jesus Christ. And I have a joy. Not a happiness. I don't really like all the things that I'm going through. But here's the thing. I have a joy knowing that this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. This I have a joy knowing that God has not slipped, taken his eyes off of me, and a mistake has happened in my life. I'm confident that it hasn't happened. Can I tell you a, a word that you'll never hear coming out of heaven? Here's a word. You'll never hear it coming out of God's mouth in heaven. Oops. <laughs> You're just never going to hear it. You're just not ever going to hear it. Oops. Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Sometimes we feel, oh, you did an oops on me, Lord. No, he didn't. He didn't. The thing is, is that we, we sometimes think that our life is, is an oops. And, and what Paul, Paul's trying to say to you and what I'm trying to convey to you and what Jesus would, I believe, want to convey to you is that God doesn't oops. God doesn't make mistakes. I mean, I might look at myself and go, I know my heart. I know my mind. I know me. I know that there's other guys and gals that are so much more worthy of God's love and God's forgiveness than me. Why, God, would you choose me? I would not choose me. You know I said this last week. Uh, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, he said, I sure am glad that God chose me from the foundations of the world before I was born because I'm sure he wouldn't have chosen me afterwards. And I know my life, you know your life, and sometimes we can look at it and go, wow, Lord, why would you choose me over that person or over that person? And yet God doesn't make mistakes. God didn't go, oops, I, I, all right, I made a mistake. Okay, so you're going to have salvation, but you were an oops, okay? I'm not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> That's not God. God has a plan. God loves you. God knows what you're going through. God God knows your life. God knows all the heartache. God knows all the, the issues that you've gone through in life. And know this, God has approved it. Come across his desk and he signed his name to it and said, okay, he, can, he or she can handle this. I've approved this. And, and we might not understand why God would approve something so harsh in our life. And yet, God has a plan. And if we would just understand what Paul is trying to convey to us in this, he's saying, listen, if you just understood who you are, this isn't what it's all about. This earth is not what it's all about. This is not what it's all about. Don't get caught up in what the world wants you to believe, is that the here and the now is what it's all about. It's not. As I get older, I don't know if this is just, I, I'm sure it is, just a byproduct of, of getting older. And I'm going to just appeal to my older friends out there and brothers and sisters. But, but don't you look at 
people that you used to think had it all together. They had everything. Maybe they were an actor. Maybe they were a musician. Maybe they were a cele- I don't know, some type of a celebrity. In the newspaper every day, they have birthdays up there. And, and I, I don't know why I look at that, but I look at that to see whose birthday it is today. But a lot of times they'll have all these, you know, and they're names that people should be, ha- or people would be familiar with. And so I look at that and I start looking at some of those names and go, that dude's 93 now? Life isn't what it used to be back when he was 43, 53. He's 93. And, and, and you start looking at their ages and you begin to see and, and you, you look at, at when they were in their heyday, everything was just absolutely wonderful and you just go, my goodness, you had the world by the tail. But today, that's something that as I'm looking at, I look at a lot of people and I, I see, Wow. I was really into rock and roll music. I was. I, I loved rock and roll music. Loved it. I had crazy, crazy uh, stereo in my car. I had a little El Camino. You guys know what El Caminos are? How many young people don't know what an El Camino is? <laughs> Ross says, what's an El Camino? <laughs> You still identify with the young. That's good. That's good. You're getting there, though. You're getting there. <laughs> uh, I had an El Camino growing up. 1975 El Camino. I bought it in 1977 or 78. And uh, it was a it was a cool car, man. It was an awesome car. I would love to have another one someday. But here's the thing. I put this stereo system in my car. I had I had Pioneer coaxial speakers down here. They were only sixty, you know, sixty watt down here. But I had a hundred amp power booster, an Audio Vox, you know, hundred amp power booster on my Pioneer stereo, uh, stereo. And then I also had a cassette stereo. By the way, that was that was I mean that was in in right there, man. That was awesome. And then right behind my head, I built this built this uh, this board in the back of my right behind my head and put these big old honking Jensen triaxle um, hundred watt speakers. What? <laughs> you didn't get that, did you? <laughs> so I put these Jensen hundred watt speakers behind my head. And and then I'd put my buddies in the car. It'd be Daryl Womack and Steve Reeky, you know, and we'd be in the car. And I'd turn that thing up, and our hair would do this, boom, 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 boom. And it was just, and you'd sit there. We we actually went out one time um, out in the San Timoteo Canyon. And I, I I say some of this stuff because I got some of my old Redlands folks and California folks that do listen to the messages here. Hey, Larry. But uh, here, here's the thing. We went out to San Timoteo Canyon. We were parked next to a railroad track. And we had this music going on so loud one time. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden, we didn't even hear that a train came by, and it missed our car like by this much. And it came up behind us. We're sitting there. 
<laughs> we just started screaming. We started screaming. It was just sitting there just going, oh, please don't have one of those things that hang out, you know, and, and just take off the top of our car, you know. But uh, I loved rock and roll music. But I, I look back on it and I think, man, these guys that I, I looked up to so much, they're still trying to do the act but they're doing it with canes out there. They're holding on to those 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 mic stands, not because they're using them as a as, they're using them as a st- stability stake, you know, so they don't fall over. These guys are getting old. I don't know how Mick Jagger does it. I mean, I don't know how Keith Richards is still alive. But I mean, I, I look at these guys and I just go, man, they don't have the they don't they don't have this this aura about them anymore and I don't want to use a wacko word or anything like that but they, they've lost it and, and the thing is they had everything the one thing I look at in a lot of very, 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 very wealthy very well-known people is there substance? is there something that there, is there a joy? They had happiness, but is there actually a joy still today? I, you just have to go through a lot of these celebrities and listen to what they have to say. You know, Tom Brady. Sorry. I know that that just divided this room. Yeah. That's right. Why? Why is Tim Tebow still doing good? Because he has an anchor that his soul is, is, is attached to. But Tom Brady, here he is. You know, five Super Bowl rings. He's lost three. The thing is, is it what you thought it was going to be? No. It really isn't. I, 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 look at, I, I don't want to put words or, or, or thoughts in anybody or, or, or a life into anybody. But man, when I see that guy, I, I don't see life. I, I, I see that that there's still a longing for something. The old U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What is it that you're looking for? The thing is, is that when you're a Christian, you find Christ, and it's not about money, it's not about fame, it's not about celebrity. What it is, is it's about Christ, and knowing that no matter what I go through, no matter what happens in my life, God, it's I'm not a mistake to the Lord. I may not have what I thought maybe I would have had growing up. But here's the thing. The one thing I do have, the one sure thing I have, is Jesus Christ. And so here's the thing. That's what my soul is anchored to. He's the rock that my soul is anchored to. And I have a joy that is unspeakable. It is a joy that that is is so uh, real because no matter if I'm young, middle-aged, or old, this joy has not stopped. It's going to go on and on and on forever. It's it's a relationship that's never going to end. It's never going to tire. I'm never going to tire of it. It's never. It it doesn't go out of fad. I, I have a relationship with Christ that no matter what goes on in my life, I have Him that I can hold on to, and you have Him, whom you can hold on to. And the thing is, is that there are those that will lose sight of that fact. Because there's a lot of things that are distracting us in the world around us. And that can distract us. There are those that will come into the church and and 
tell you you're not satisfied. You need more. You need this. You need that. Oh, they need to have that. They need to go and do that. You need to be a part of this, and you need to do. And you and they still throw all these things out there to make you feel that. Well, I thought I was happy, but or I thought I, I had this joy, but I guess I didn't. I guess I have to do more. We've got this app out in our neighborhood, uh, and a lot of you guys have this next door app. You know, anybody know anything about that next door app? I've got this next door app on my phone that basically it has your community, kind of the community that you live in, and it's kind of a an open forum for people to talk. You know what I found out? What that app is all about? It's about people that like to complain about every single thing in life. And once they get on a thread, things that are good, there's two or three replies. Oh, that's a great thing. But the ones that are complaining, 46, 104, you know, replies to it. And they're all in there just beating down on people. They're just beating down on things. I, you know, I was in my neighborhood. I'm going, man, I think this is a really good neighborhood. I really, really, really like this neighborhood. And then I start reading this. I'm going, I didn't know that I was so dissatisfied. <laughs> I'm not dissatisfied. People are dissatisfied. The thing is, is that if your soul is attached to Christ, if you recognize who you are, you can handle anything in life. It's not about what happens in your life. It's it, it matters who you're attached to, what is going to ultimately happen in your life, and that's going to be, you're going to be with Jesus. And I promise you, a, a hundred years from now, the day you die, let's just remove a hundred years from now, the day you die, you will truly, completely understand what Paul said. I do not compare the sufferings of this present time to be worthy to be compared to the glory which is revealed in that day. Romans chapter 8. Here's the thing. Paul says, what you're going through today, don't let it dissuade your walk with the Lord. The first three chapters, he's going, guys, know this. You have a walk with the Lord. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you're anchored to. This is what he's done for you. This is who you are in him. This is what you have because of him. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, knowing all of this, have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He'll go on and say, Don't be tossed by every wind of doctrine. Don't, 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 be, don't be dissuaded by people that come in and say, You've got to have this or you've got to have... No, no, stick to the Word of God. It's the one thing that's never going to change. Man will come in and, and he'll come in and he'll, he'll, he'll say, this is what the church is going through. Hey, listen, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, let's say you've been a Christian for 20, 25 years. You've gone through a lot of movements in the church, haven't you? You know, I mean, right now, the Toronto blessing isn't really a big thing nowadays, is it? I mean, how many of you have been, you know, encouraged to go up to Pensacola to be, you know, to, to, to get the anointing up there in Pensacola? It's gone. But there's a new fad going on. There's always going to be something new coming into the church because the church as a people feel like they need something in order to thrive. When in all actuality, the church can thrive when they have the Holy Spirit inside. Any church can thrive. Any person, any individual can thrive if they have the Holy Spirit inside. And, and, and 
And if we would understand that, if our satisfaction, if our, if our joy was attached to that, man, I'll tell you, it's going to make our life so much easier to live. What was the problem that Jesus had with the church of Ephesus? Turn to the right real quick. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to just look at this real quick. I'm sorry, it's actually chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. Okay, my glasses are stuck in my pocket now. Let go. Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is talking. It's the first church he talks to, by the way. There's seven churches that Jesus talks to in the book of Revelation. The first church he talks to is Ephesus. It's the church that Paul's writing this letter to that we're reading. Jesus talking to him, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lands, golden lampstands. What he's doing is he's describing himself. That's just another characteristic. That's another attribute of who he is, okay? He's identifying himself as Jesus. He says, I know your works. He's now talking to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. You can't bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you've found them liars. You've persevered and have, be, and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now before you go on to verse 4, don't cheat, come back up here for a second. Because here's the thing. What he's saying is here's, here's some accolades, here's some pats on your back. Could this not be spoken of a lot of churches today? Could it not be even spoken maybe even of our own church? Hey, you're going through the motions. You, you, you go to church. I know that you, you, you really hold fast to those who begin to make themselves out to be something, but you know that they're really not. Maybe it's the TV evangelist or the, the TV, you know, health and wealth pastor or preacher. And again, I use those terms very, very loosely. They're that in, in worldly title and not biblical anointing. The thing is, is that many people are in it for themselves. And, and many of those you can see through. And, and Jesus would be saying to you, hey, that's good. That's good. That's good that you can see through those things. It's good that you can see through those false teachers that come in to the church. It's good that you see through those teachers that come in and try to have power over the people. And they exercise this incredible power and persuasive words and all these people are going after them. And, and when you begin to see, I don't know about you, I know me, and I, I think I know most of you out there, that when you begin to see somebody that rises on the scene, spiritually rises on the scene or in the church, in Christianity whether it be in the United States or whether it be in the world, and all of a sudden everybody begins to, to flock after that one person, isn't there kind of a check in your heart going, hey, we better be careful. We better be careful of what we're ascribing unto a man. I think one thing that, that I've learned over the years, and I think that one of the things that happens as you get older, you begin to see that when you hold someone in such high esteem in the church, 
I don't, they can be an awesome believer, but one thing you will learn is that you will be let down by them. You're going to be let down by him. When I was out in California, my mentor, there was a, a good friend of mine that wanted to go on staff. He graduated the year after I graduated and he wanted to go on staff. And my mentor who had brought me on staff at the Bible college, I was able to teach. I was able to do a lot of neat things and it kind of, I cut my teeth on doing what I'm doing even right now. And I owe a lot of it to my mentor, Larry Taylor. He had such a profound impact in my spiritual life and in the call that God had on my life. But when my my buddy, who graduated a semester after I did, when he wanted to kind of come in and, and go on staff and do the same thing, Larry didn't offer him a job. And he got upset. He says, Well, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go up to, to Oregon. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to sit under and, 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 and see if I can get on staff up at Applegate Christian Fellowship where John Corson is. And, and I talked to my friend there at that time. We, he was a very close friend of mine. And, and the thing is we, we talked about there was don't get your eyes on a man. Because in as much as I love the guy who is mentoring me, man, does he have a lot of warts. That's a hard thing to see when somebody you look at and you look up to. You begin to get real close to somebody and you begin to see, man, there's some warts there. I said, I promise, you go up there to John Corson's church and you get close to John, he's going to differ on some certain things than you are. He's going to do something that you don't like there that you would never do. And you will then be at a crossroads of decision in your life. Am I following a man or am I following Christ? Will you become so disillusioned in that man that you go, you're just a fake? When in all actuality, he's not a fake. He believes what he teaches. But he's a man. Chuck Smith was a man. He made mistakes. He did silly things. Things that I wouldn't do. John Corson done things that I wouldn't do. Larry Taylor did things that I would never do. doesn't mean that they're not walking with the Lord, but if my eyes are on a man, I'm going to become disillusioned in my faith. I'm going to be disillusioned in my call. I'm going to be disillusioned in who it is that I'm, that I'm serving. I'm not serving Larry or Chuck or, or John. I never had the opportunity to sit under John other than just the distant teachings but to sit under Chuck or sit under Larry, poof. Sit under my pastor over in Fort Lauderdale, Bob Coy. I guarantee you're going to be let down if you look at a man. But if your eyes are fixed on Christ, no matter what that man does, no matter what that woman does, no matter what that person that you put up on this pedestal does, if your eyes are fixed on Christ and you understand your position in Christ, you'll have a joy that is unspeakable. And the thing is, is that because you understand your position, that person can fall so far and it's not going to destroy your faith. Because your faith wasn't in a man. Your faith was in Christ. And that's what you were attached to. We can learn from those lessons 
And that's the thing that I told my buddy. Here's the thing. You're going to be at a crossroads when that, when John does something you don't like. Just like what's happened with Larry, he didn't like Larry after that. I said, what happened? Because Larry didn't offer you a job, all of a sudden he's not a good guy. No longer is he the mentor to you also. He's no longer good. He's, he's now what? He's dead to you. It's because you had your eyes on a guy. There's things that Larry did that drove me nuts. But the crossroads that I had, there is, okay, Lord, help me never to do that. But help me to teach like that. Help me to love like that. Or help me to minister to people like that. Man, when he's off the stage, when he's off the, the platform, when he's away from the pulpit, most of what he does is awesome. But when he did that, and when I, I, listen, I don't want you to think that he was doing horrible things. I will tell you the bad thing that he did. That really hit my heart. Larry was always big on everybody picking up trash. This is God's, God's, you know, world. But he was also the director of the Bible college. (laughs) And so he wanted everybody to pick up trash. If you walk by trash, pick it up. Be a servant. I spent the weekend with he and his wife and his daughter down in Vista or down in uh, Vista, California, and with his at his mom's house. And they had thrown out one of those ad newspapers out on the the yard. And the sprinklers went on at his mom's house. And you know, after it's been on for a couple of days, and the the paper is in your yard, what happens? It begins to disintegrate and starts kind of melting down into your yard. And we didn't have a whole lot of time, but, but Larry went out there and he says, I hate these ads that they throw in people's yards. Why don't they just not do it? And he put his foot under it and he kicked it out in the street. That's horrible. He should be banned from the ministry, shouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, that's the grievous sin that he did. And I can see he was frustrated at the time. I've done so far worse than that. But to me, as a Christian, as a as a as a as a as a guy who's being discipled by this guy, I'm going, wow. Why would you do such a thing? And it hurt my heart. Something so small like that, it hurt my heart. But it was at that point that I had to say, you know what? What he says is accurate. What he did today wasn't the best. But I learned from it. Lord, help me not to do that. Help me, help me, help me to live according to you. Help me to know who I am in you so that I can live in you so that my, every aspect of my life emanates you, Jesus. In Christ. That's who I am. That's who you are. But I promise I will let you down. I promise you put your eyes on an individual in this earth they will let you down. And if you've placed them on such a pedestal, it may cause you to walk away from the faith. I have so many casualties from the Bible college of brothers and sisters that are, well, let's just say, my heart is grieved tremendously. It it breaks my heart. But I know for a fact that there's some of them that are walk, that have walked away from the Lord because 
they were asked to come home from a mission field because they were doing some things that they probably should not have been doing. But they got angry. Now all of a sudden, we're going to show you. We're going to show you. We're going to mock Christians now. And, and, and it's sad. It's sad. It breaks my heart. I love these guys. And they've given even more confidence to so many other people that I grew up, I prayed with. I, I went to the mat with spiritually and wept with for people's lives. And, 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 and here they are, they've turned their back on the Lord today. And it breaks my heart. But again, if my eyes were on them or if my eyes were on the people that their eyes were on and I allowed it to happen to me, here, here's the thing. I could become just so just just as disillusioned as they are. And you can become disillusioned if your eyes are focused on the wrong thing. Fix your eyes on Christ. He'll never let you down. He may not put out the plan, have you uh, uh, live the plan that you have, but he has a plan for you. It's the whole purpose of the book of Ephesians. As the, as the church began to just kind of run through the motions, they became stagnant. Things aren't happening for them the way, they think, the way that they thought that things should happen. Oh, I'm still a Christian. I'm still doing the things that I'm supposed to do. But I'm doing it just because I don't know what else to do. I'm doing it because, well... I know that ultimately we're going to be in heaven. I know that one day we're going to be with Jesus. I know, but I mean, come on. Same grind. Sunday morning. Time to go to church. Time for Pastor Don to go over time. <laughs> but here's the thing. You're here. That's good. That's awesome. But what Jesus said to, to the church of Ephesus, he said, I know that you're doing these things, and these things are good. I commend you for those. I'm patting you on the back for these things. Nevertheless, he says, I have this one thing against you. And you know what it is, don't you? You guys, I, I love that about you guys. You guys are students of the word. You guys know this. Here, here's what he says. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. What's Jesus saying? You forgot who you were. You forgot who you were in me. You forgot what it was that brought you to me. You forgot what it is that you are blessed in and of and for. You forgot your call. You're going through the motions, man. You, you, you forgot. Your first love. Have you ever had a first love? If you have, you've never forgotten it. And I, I, I say strictly as like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe it was back in the third grade. <laughs> Maybe it was in the seventh grade or tenth grade or whatever. Maybe you've had it now. I don't know. Maybe you're in the midst of it right now. Yeah, I, I remember the very first time it ever happened to me. I thought, oh my gosh, this is like, 
I think the sun rises and sets on this woman, on this girl. She wasn't a woman. She was just a girl. And and you find out, no, it didn't. It didn't. It rises and sets on my wife. (laughs) Here's the thing. You never forget a first love. And, and, and Jesus goes, Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember from where you've fallen. I want you to repent. I want you to go back and do the things that you did in the beginning. What did we do in the beginning? Here's what we did in the beginning. If you're a Christian and you became a Christian as an adult. Because if you've, if you've grown up in a Christian home and you're a Christian, man, you should get a trophy. Because I, I absolutely love those testimonies. There's so many people that that feel that as they've grown up in a Christian home that they have a boring testimony. I think you have the greatest of all testimonies. I'm so glad that you didn't have to go down bad roads in order to find out why you needed Christ. You are a blessed, blessed, blessed individual. And I commend you and I applaud you and I wish that I had a life like yours. And I didn't. But I know that when I recognized who I was and that Christ loved me still and that he wanted to save my soul and I, had, I, I, I entered into a relationship with Christ and that God, not only do you see past my, my sin, my wickedness, my evil, but, but not only that, you actually want to use me? You're calling me to be a What? A pastor? I'm telling you. I will say, if there were 50 titles or professions listed, I mean, firefighter, policeman, whatever you want to say, businessman, whatever it is, pilot, you ask any of my old high school friends if at the top of that list I would ever be a pastor Number one, they would have laughed. They would have laughed you out of the room. And that God would choose me to be a pastor? Oops. He didn't say oops. He let me be a pastor. That's awesome. I can't believe that I get to do what I do. I can't believe that I get up and I get to get up and encourage you guys. But you guys encourage me in return. And the thing is, I can't believe that God would do that. I can't believe when I, when I realized what it was that God had called me to be a pastor, the day that I understood that God had called me to be a pastor. I was so enamored. I, I, could, I couldn't believe it. God, are you, are you sure? I mean, are you really sure? And it just seemed like every single decision that happened after that, it seemed like God was moving me down this road. And, and, and here I am. I, I've, I've had many, many opportunities and blessings over the years to be able to teach. I love it. I love to do that. I love to be a pastor. I love to care for the flock. I love to minister to people. I love it. And here's the thing, that God would do that in my life in spite of me. What about you? 
that God loved you and gave himself for you and called you in spite of who you were. Do you remember when you first realized that you were say that that Christ wanted to save your soul? Do you remember what it was? Some of you guys probably had an emotional experience. <laughs> you probably wept. Some of you did. Some of you maybe didn't weep. Maybe you just thought, "Oh my goodness, this is pretty wild. I can't believe that God are you serious just to pray this prayer and he comes in and I can't believe that he wanted me. But here's the thing. When when you became a Christian, something happened. Something changed. Hopefully, you've experienced something where you recognize, I woke up today with a destiny far different than the, the destiny that I'm going to bed with tonight. I woke up today on a road going to hell but today tonight I'm going to go to sleep knowing that I'm going to go to heaven at the end of my life because of Christ because of who I am in Christ you might not have been able to articulate it that way but but know this Jesus says do you remember that? do you remember when you recognized that? do you remember what it was like? it all comes back to the one thing that Paul is trying to get into yours and my head and that is do you know who you are? in Christ in spite of you? Do you understand that it doesn't matter what goes on in life? Do you understand if you just go back to that anchor? You go back to that anchor of Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Do you know? Do you know that right there your joy is never going to be taken away? You might go through very difficult times where you're not happy but your joy will remain. You might have people let you down. I will let you down. I promise you. I will let you down. I will do something stupid. I might kick a newspaper out in the street when I tell you to pick up papers. And that might just disillusion you to walk away from the Lord. He tells us from the pulpit to pick up papers, but then he goes out there and kicks it out in the street. What a hypocrite. Well, can I just tell you this? Let's just, let's just put to death that whole thing. Oh, I don't want to go to church because churches are filled with hypocrites. Amen. There's not one person who's a Christian in a church that is not a hypocrite at one time or another in their life. But it's a healing center for hypocrites. It's a hospital for hypocrites. It's a hospital to be healed, man. It's a, it's a place where we come, where we gather together and say, you know what, I'm not happy with the way I did that. I'm not happy with the way that you saw me do that. Here's the thing. God, by His grace, has forgiven me. Would you forgive me? Whatever. And, and we move forward towards, towards the upward call of, of Christ. And, and anchoring ourselves and making sure that that anchor is, is, is fixed and, and, and strong and sure. Because it's not about an individual in life. It's about Christ. It's not about a a man. It's not about a woman. It's not about a church. It's not about a a name. It's not about a particular denomination. It's not about a group. It's not about anything like that. Sure, you can have people that you really like. I loved yesterday. Guys who weren't able to be there, I am so sorry that you weren't there because it was phenomenal. I love Stephen. Stephen Gachenko. 
Nairobi, Kenya. It takes you 15 minutes to figure out his accent. But once you get it, hold on, buckle up because you're going to get you're going to, you're going to get the word. And you're going to be challenged tremendously. I would encourage you to... to I mean, there's, he's still here in town, and I think that there might be an opportunity or two maybe left that you might be able to still go see him. You can talk to Lynette about that. But, but here's the thing. It's okay to have guys that you can look up to like that. But I don't look to Stephen as Jesus. I look to Jesus as Jesus. I look to Stephen as a servant. And, and a servant that's going to let me down one day. Not that I'm hoping that he'll let me down. But if I fix my eyes on a man, I will always be let down. That's why Jesus said, that's why God says, I am jealous for your love. I'm a, God's jealous for your affection. And, and wouldn't that make God narcissistic? No. There's a difference between narcissism and reality. God is jealous for your affection. God is jealous for your love. God is jealous for your worship. God is jealous for your praise. And you think, well, isn't that a little egotistical, narcissistic? Isn't that a little maniacal that God would be jealous for that? No, it isn't. Please understand this. The reason why God is jealous for it is because he knows that if you place Worship or adoration upon an individual, a human being, you will one day be let down and at that moment you will have the opportunity to be disillusioned. But if you keep your eyes fixed on Christ, if you keep your eyes fixed on God, in spite of what you go through, your eyes will remain fixed on Him and you'll know, God, you know when I was going to go through this, you know the struggle that I was going to have to go through and yet you signed it off anyways I trust you to get me through this. And whether I live or whether I die, I win. Because I am with you. And you are with me. And it doesn't matter. You see, it just changes everything. It changes your perspective on life. It's not about what you get in the here and the now. It's the, it's the who that you have in the here and the now. You've got Christ. You've got Him. You've got anything and everything that you ever, ever are required to live with in this life. Everything to, to give you true, lasting, deep joy in life right now. And it's in Christ. Right now. That's why Paul, Paul says, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You and I enjoy this today. We enjoy a relationship with Christ today. No matter what, you have Christ. And then he goes on and he says, Now, 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 have a walk worthy of that call. If you do, you're going to be able to walk and, and you're going to be able to navigate this life bringing joy to the Lord and living a fulfilled life because you know that you are anchored to the rock and that you've remembered your first love and that that's what you're living for. 
there's there's a summation of, of Ephesians. It's hopefully something that you have learned something from today. Hopefully that you've been encouraged. I, I, when I read and I teach, I love, I, I go back, I listen to my messages. Because sometimes I go, wow, I just encouraged me. <laughs> That's, that was, that was, wow, Lord, thank you. I, I say that in a weird way, even though it sounds very weird. Listen, I, I, I never want you ever to under to think that I ever preached down to anybody. I want you to know that I would say this if I were the only person in this room right now saying it to me. I, 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 it's a lesson that, that I want to live. It's an encouragement that I want to have. G, Paul had it. He understood it. When I came to you, I didn't come to you with any excellency of speech or anything like that. What I came, when I came to you, I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's, that was Paul's, Paul had, Paul had one string on a guitar. And it was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It was just one string. That's what he played. Everywhere he went, Paul, come on, give something else. No, it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You can have that E string too. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Live for Him. Know that you are wrapped up in His plan. Now live it. He didn't say oops in your life. Now go out and make the best of it today. Represent Him. Represent Him to the world. Because He's allowing you to go through this situation that you're going through. He's allowing you to go through the storms in life. He's allowing you to go through the joys in life. He's allowing you to go through the high mountaintops and the low valleys and on the in-between parts of the mountain, traversing the, the, the hillsides in order to represent Him. So wherever you are today, whatever you have in your life today, know that God did not say, oops, God has you there and He signed off on your life and He is saying, Live for me today in your present place. That makes sense? Father, thank you so much for today. God, may this be our passion for the rest of our life. That we live in a constant understanding that our life is not about us, but it is about you. And that no matter what we encounter in life, whether it be highs or lows, whether it be the mundane, whatever it is, that we are fixed to you and that you must have a plan through it. And Lord, as we acknowledge that you have a plan in it, Lord, would you reveal it to us that we might be obedient, that we might be faithful? But Lord, we're not putting that as a pre- requisite for us to follow you. We're going to follow you no matter what. Because Lord, we know that you understand the end from the beginning. You understand how the storms or the trials in our life they will accomplish what you set them out to accomplish. To touch the people's lives that you want us to touch that you wanted to touch through us. 
And though we may never know that, this side of heaven, we are going to trust that you know that because we do know that you know it. And we're just going to be faithful. And we're going to take every single day as it comes to us. And we're going to recognize that we are a blessed people because you have chosen us to be your your kids. You've saved our soul. You've taken that which was blind and wrecked and broken. And you've made us whole. You've made us new. You've given us life. You've given us hope. You've given us eternity. You've given us you. Because of that, Lord, we're going to live for you for the rest of our life. And Lord, when we allow the pressures of this world to rise up and become great and weighing down upon us, Lord, may we remember this moment, this time, these types of moments where we recognize that our life was not wrapped up in us, but it's wrapped up in you and that, God, you know exactly what we're going through, but you have a plan to bring you the most glory and to touch the most people, ourselves included. May we recognize that our life has a plan that is wrapped up to fulfill your plan. God, we love you. And we and, and this is awesome. When we really, really, really understand this, that we are in you because of you. And we are so blessed because of you. And we have hope and we have deep joy because of you. Now, Lord, may we have a walk worthy of the calling with which you've called us. Not being swayed by any wind of doctrine that's out there, being like children tossed to and fro by the waves. But that we would stand fixed in you, recognizing that no matter what we encounter in this life, you are there with us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And if anyone is, who cares? I lift up my brothers and sisters to you, Lord. I pray that this message finds a a sweet spot in their heart and that it causes them growth this week. That it has challenged them in a way that they walk out of here not forgetting what they've heard today, but they walk out of here today considering and meditating and chewing on these things as it pertains to their own particular life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.